Okay, let's turn to John 1, 3. Go ahead and start with John 1, 1, and then go on down to 3. And what I'm teaching on is the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. If you're ever going to witness to a Jehovah Witness, this is one you really want to start out with. Don't let them get on, get on their track. You can, you, because they just study the same scriptures. I, I studied with them, so I know what they do. You've got to, you've got to get in there and, and start. And this is one because you bring it on down. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. And then it goes on and talks about John. And then it says in verse 14, And the word Christ became flesh, human, incarnate, and in tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while, among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as only begotten Son receives from his Father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. John testified about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has priority over me, for he was before me. He takes rank above me, for he existed before I did. He has advanced before me because he is my chief. I like what it says in the King James. And of the fullness have we all received grace for grace. Thank you, Jesus. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, Colossians 1.16. You know, that really ministered to me tonight when you talked about that little first grader whose mom was sending little notes for him in his lunch and other children that age wanted to hear what he had. It didn't minister to me when the principal made them go outside and then took them off the, off, told them to get off the school. So then the kids were still wanting to hear the word. First graders, think of this. Little first graders wanting to hear the word by, from another student, first grade student. And the next thing she knew, the police came and um, came out and told her she could no longer do that. This child could no longer do this at anywhere near the school. So that's really sad. You see how hungry children are. I mean, mom sends a note in the lunch, and, and people are just being drawn to Jesus right now. Sad thing is people are being drawn to Jesus, and Christians that have been with the Lord are falling away. That is really sad. That's where the Bible talks about the first will be last, and you know I, I don't want to go into that tonight because I'm talking about Jesus. But there's many scriptures that we see. I remember when I first got saved, I made a quality decision. If everybody backslid around me, I was getting away from them, and I was going to serve God no matter what. Okay, Colossians 1:16. By for by Him. Let's go up one. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For it was in him that, verse 16, all things were created in heaven and on earth. As we, as we read our Bibles in this tonight, and I know you all know this, and start thinking of, you know, when I was reading this, and, and as I sit here, I think about when I first got saved, and 
Wow, I, you know, we need to get back to that place. We need to really get back to that place where he's all in all. I mean, he is all in all, but I think as you grow older in the Lord, that first love experience of just this hungering and thirsting continually. I mean, I could not put my Bible down. I read my Bible continually. I, wore, I don't know how many I've worn out, but I could not put my Bible down. And that's how we need to be, especially, you know, in the times we're in, because it's the things Pastor read tonight, the prayer requests and things, it's winding up fast. It's, this is winding up so fast, it's unbelievable as you look at it. And so we need to really thank God and, and don't, don't allow these, you know, when, you're, when you were first saved, nothing bothered you. How many remember that? Nothing. Nothing bothered you. You were so hungry, you wanted to get rid of everything that, anything and everything that was of the past and of the old and whatever. And, and we need to be that way continually in Him. We need to be hotter now and more on fire for Him than we ever have been in our lives. So verse 17 says, And He Himself existed before all things, and in Him all things consist, are held together. Thank God. All things are held together. Hebrews 1.3 So in Him all things are held together. Sounds like they're racing up and down our street. I'm going to start with uh, verse 1. Who, God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he made appointed heir of all things, by whom all things he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person with upholding all things by the word of his power. So he upholds everything by the word of his power. That's why it's so important that we are in the world, the word, not the world, but the word continually. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Thank you, Jesus. He made all things. He paid the price. And sat down. And you think about what Jesus went through for us, for just, just you alone, for every one of us in this room, because I know we're all born again. If it had been just one person, he would have come. You know, when God, there was just one person, when God searched out Noah, who was truly righteous before God. One person, one person in the whole world, and that was Noah. And he said, build this ark for the saving of your family. And it took him, what was it, 120 years? Was it? Whatever. To build that ark. And everybody was mocking and making, and all that time, they were, they were making fun of him. Well, it was always really interesting to me when I was reading the Bible. And it talked about how the ark, after they got in it, the doors were left open for seven days. And the Lord told me, he said, that's, like the seven, the seven years of tribulation. God left that, that door open before he closed it. And they were all told what was going to happen and all they did was mock him. So when we're persecuted and things are going on that we're seeing going on, you know we're getting out of here soon. It's, it's, this is the time to go out and shout. Hath in the last days spoken unto all us by his son, verse two, he had appropriated heir of all things by whom he has made the worlds, whom being the brightness of his glory and the expressed 
image of his person and withholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We just need to just think about this. Heir of all things. Everything belongs to the Lord. Okay. 725. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he liveth, ever liveth, to make intercession for them. That's powerful. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's on the right hand of God right now interceding for us. You know, sometimes you feel like nobody cares or nobody knows or whatever. God knows, Jesus knows, and he's praying for you. He's praying for you. And there's times when you might feel deserted or, or alone or rejected or whatever. He's praying for you. You've got the best person in the, in the universe praying for you when you think about that. You know, sometimes we depend on other people to pray for us or whatever, but we already have the greatest person, Jesus Christ, praying for us, interceding for us continually, every one of us. That's powerful. I get excited. I mean, if that doesn't excite you, then there's something wrong. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Jesus. I just, you know, I don't know if anybody else watched the, the, the craziness of the vice president debate the other night. I'm telling you, those other people are crazy. Absolutely crazy. I thought the person to start with H was crazy, but her partner is just as crazy as she is. Okay. This is my sermon. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished, well, I want to read this whole thing. This talks about Jesus the rock. Amen? When Jesus came down from the mountain, great throngs followed him, and behold, a leper came to him, and prostrating himself, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by healing me, or you can make me clean. I'm in Matthew 8. Did I say, did I say 7? I'm sorry. Well, I like this one. <laughs> Let's go here. Matthew 8, 1, I'm in verse 3. And he reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Be, by being cured, and instantly the leprosy was cured and cleansed. Can you imagine if you were a leper? Can you imagine that? You, you'd have to go everywhere saying unclean, unclean, and you lived in the garbage dumps? That's horrible. They had, back in the early 19th century, San Francisco had a lot of lepers living there. That, people didn't really know about, but there were. And I read this true story about this man that had leprosy, and he was engaged to be married, and he found out he had leprosy, and he, didn't, he couldn't tell her. He just he couldn't tell her, and so he went to the, the leper clinic that was on, was it Molokai? Was the island that had the lepers? I think it was. Anyway, he never did tell her. I don't remember how she found out. I can't remember if it was her family or, or finally some, 
someone finally told her. Very few people knew what happened to him, but someone that knew told her. And he ended up on that. Unfortunately, this whole island is full of lepers, and they didn't know the healing power of Jesus Christ, which is really sad. But he ended up marrying someone that had leprosy there. But I can't even imagine being sent off someplace because I was unclean and, and couldn't be around people. I mean, that's not... Jesus is the healer. I can imagine if one missionary had gone over to that island, what could have taken place on that island that knew the power of God. Praise God. Anyway, so let's go on. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell nothing about this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded for a testimony to your healing and as an evidence to the people. Okay. Now we'll go over to Matthew 7, 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished these scriptures, these sayings, the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at his teaching. For he was teaching as one who had and was authority, and not as did the scribes. I can just imagine these people. Here he finishes his sayings, and what he was really talking about was the wise and foolish builders. Look up above to 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto a wise man, verse 24, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. Those that are founded upon Jesus Christ, the winds can blow and whatever takes place and persecution, whatever, and you're not going to fall. You won't fall. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes he's telling them I'm here and no matter what comes against you you will stand if you build yourself on the rock, on me, you will stand. You know, a lot of people are very, very fearful in the times that we're living in. I'm talking Christians in the times we're living in, but we need to rise up above that and know who we are in Jesus Christ. I have a couple of scriptures in here I found very interesting if we get to them tonight. I hope so. Luke 4, 32. Saying, wait a minute. Luke 4, 32, okay. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man with, which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, and the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him into the mist, he came out of him and heard him not. 
And they were all amazed and spake, spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round and about. Remember when he sent them out in, in twos? The thing that astonished them the most was that the, de that the demons were subject to their authority in the name of Jesus. That's the one thing that astonished them. All these things went on, and yet they were most astonished, the 12, because they had the power over demons and devils. Well, we have that power. Matthew 8:27 Used to be this song pastor can sing it really well. We've got the power in the name of Jesus that Christine could sing it. Remember that song Christine? I would try but We've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. That's powerful. So, verse 24 in Luke, what did I say? Matthew, Matthew 8.27. <laughs> wow, I am sorry. I'm just thinking about things of the Lord and his power and might. We're missing out of things, church. All this stuff that's going on, we have authority of the things that go around, around us, that go on around us. And we need to take authority over them. It's, it's interesting it's, that it's left up to us to take the authority over the things that are going on at this point. We can either fall over and do what they say or stand up for Jesus. And as I was reading through my notes today, I saw how many times they, that they stood up for Jesus and said, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to, when they told him to, when they, when they were told to stop teaching the doctrines of Jesus, they said, we're not going to stop. We refuse to stop. I was, I was talking to pastors, I was studying, he happened to come through there, and I said, what if every Christian stood up and said, we're not putting up with this? There'd be a change in this nation immediately. Immediately. I'm going to go into verse 23, and when he entered... Matthew 8, 23, And when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there rose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds of the sea obey him? And of course, we know he went over to the country of the Gadarenes and the, the two that were possessed with devils. Okay, he cast the devils out of them. We serve a powerful, powerful Lord and Savior. Powerful. Powerful. Luke five seventeen. People need to know that you're a believer. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of the town, every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which had taken 
which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him and let him down through the tile with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now think about this. If you were a person that was being taken up on top of a housetop by your friends, and then they rip off the roof and let you down, that could be... I mean, can you imagine the person, the owner of that house, I believe it was Peter, the roof being ripped off? And here comes this man being let down, and Jesus says, says to them, I always love this one, when he saw their faith, he, he said unto the man, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered, answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven or to say rise up and walk. Which is easier? I'm asking you all out there. To say thy sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk and the person gets up. That's powerful. That'll make people look. but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power over earth to forgive sins. And he, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that wherein he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. What is strange about that? Well, maybe the roof being ripped off. I mean, that to me is exciting. These are things that need to be constant in our midst. Amen. I keep thinking the sign's sitting over here, but it's not. My, um, Psalms 107, 19, and 20, and they cried unto the Lord, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. All destruction, not just some, but all. Matthew 8, 27. All destruction. And his disciples, I'm going to go to 25, and the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said, Why are you fearful? I just said that on, I'm really sorry. Honey, where am I? But I did that one. Sorry. Mark 16, 17, and 18. This one I know I didn't do. I'm just going to get a pen and start checking these off because this is not my norm. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. Mark 16, 17, and 18. What do you think would happen if, if all of a sudden those that really know that Jesus Christ operates in this and believed it went out and started ministering and setting the captives free? Why is it so hard in America? And it's not hard in Africa. And it's not hard in other countries. You ever asked yourself that? 
they have nothing. Pastors been out in the jungles. Miracles came easily. They have nothing. They don't depend on, on their money. They don't depend on their houses, their cars, whatever. When they start seeing miracles, they start jumping up and down and getting excited. Seventeen and eighteen, and these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Thank you, Jesus. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and he sat down on the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. We need to preach on this more often. Luke 10, 17 through 19. This is the one I told you about. Remember he sent him out. And the 70, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, but I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and, and, over, all, and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over, the, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise you, Jesus. Nothing. I need to have my little um, shouting group here or something. Matthew 9, 6. I don't know. This is, this, this, these scriptures excite me. This is the other version of it. When he told them what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or take up your, or, or you're healed. Arise, take up your bed, and go into your house. You know, every time we receive, when someone receives the Lord, what do we tell them? Your sins are forgiven you. And that power of Jesus Christ, when we tell them that, goes forth and strengthens them immediate, immediately because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many can remember the day you got born again? Mine's coming up. November 7th, 1971 at 12.03. Acts 5.31. How many years is that? That is when they used to call us Jesus freaks. I don't know why. We were just crazy on fire for Jesus. We were. And people had Holy Ghost meetings everywhere. They laid hand on any, hands on anything that moved. Amen, honey? Am I correct? 
remember one man started, was invited to come preach at the Catholic Church and the whole church got saved and they took all the saints out. Verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God. Oh, this is it. This is the one. Now listen to this. They were told that they were not to be speaking about Jesus. Here they're telling them, then the, verse 26, verse 25, but some men came and reported to them saying, listen, the men whom you put in jail are standing right here in the temple and teaching the people. Then the military leader went with the attendant and brought the prisoners but without violence, for they dreaded the people lest they be stoned by them. <laughs> and so they brought them and set them before the council, the Sanhedrin, and the high priest examined them by questioning, saying, we definitely command and strictly charge you not to teach in or about this Jesus. Yet here you have flooded Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Then Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our forefathers raised up Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Then, he's, then they start telling them this. You need to underline that. We must obey God rather than men. Get that set in your mind. Why are people afraid? God has shown me so many scriptures on this in the last year. John 19 or let's go up to 18 oh, let's go to 16 but for this reason the Jews began to persecute annoy torment Jesus and sought to kill him because he was doing these things on the Sabbath but Jesus answered them my father has worked even until now he has never ceased working he is still working, and I too must be a, at divine work. This made the Jews more determined than ever to kill him, to do away with him, because he not only was breaking, weakening, violating the Sabbath, but he actually was speaking of God as being, in a special sense, his own father, making himself equal, putting himself on the level with God, so Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, the Son is able to not do nothing of himself of his own accord, but he is able to do only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does is what the Son does in the same way in his turn. The Father dearly loves the Son, and the disciples do show him everything that he himself does, and he will disclose to him Let him see greater things yet than these, so that you may marvel and be full of wonder and astonishment. 
Just as the Father raises up the dead and gives them life, makes them live on, even so the Son also gives life to whomever he wills and is pleased to give it. Hallelujah. Even the Father judges no one, for he has given all judgment, the last judgment, and the whole business of judging entirely onto the hands of the Son, so that all men may give honor, reverence, homage to the Son, just as they give honor to the Father. In fact, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who has sent him. So it's Jesus is going to be doing all the judging. The judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment. He's doing all the judging. God said, I'm not the judge. Jesus is the judge. And Jesus said when he came, I'm not here to condemn the world, but to save it. But for those that do not accept him, there'll be a great time of judgment. And to the believers that don't walk as they should with him, there'll be, there'll be a judgment. That's powerful when you look at this. I would think that that would have scared them or, or something, you think? John 17, 2. God says, Jesus is doing all, you're doing all the judging. A lot of people are going to be surprised. When Jesus had spoken to, to these things, verse 1, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and exalt and honor and magnify you just as you have granted him power and authority over all flesh, all mankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Praise you, Jesus. That's us. John 10, 18. Serious times are coming. We're in it right now. He goes on to say, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own. And my own know and recognize me, even as truly as the Father knows me, and I also know the Father. Am I giving my very own life, laying it down on behalf of the sheep? That's us. And I have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold, and I must bring and impel those also, and they will listen to my voice and heed my call. And so there will be, they will become one flock under one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my own life to take it back again. Praise God, that is so powerful. He goes on to say in verse 18, no, no one takes it away from me. On the contrary, I lay it down voluntarily. I put, I put it from myself. I am authorized and have power to lay it down, to resign it. And I ha am authorized to have power and take it back again. These are the instructions, orders, which I have received as my charge from my father. freely. 
Colossians 2.15. It's amazing. I have a friend that um, lives in Cincinnati, close to where that ark is, is built, and it is. It's now open. I can't remember if she told me she'd seen it. I think she has. And she said it's, it's just magnificent. Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you, meat or in drink in respect of holy days or as new moon or Sabbath days which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Hebrews 2.14 How many remember when they threw Paul in jail and found out he was a citizen and they wanted to secretly let him out and get him out of the town? He said, oh no, I'm paraphrasing this, oh no. They need to come down here and apologize to me publicly. You know, we have that boldness inside of us. And the more you read the word and pray in tongues, the stronger it becomes. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil. So, through death, the devil was destroyed. So, any power he has, we have to let him have it. Do you all understand what I'm saying? We have to give in to it. Allow it. What opens the door? Fear. Think of the things that open the door up. Anger, hatred, rebellion, our mouth, <laughs> life and death are in the power of the tongue. First John 3.8. I hope you're getting something out of this because I am. I'm not ready to preach myself happy because we need to remember these things. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Oh, let's move up to. Whoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
he was manifested so he might destroy the works of the devil. Adam and he, Adam, let's, we'll just say Adam, we'll blame him. He tries to blame his wife, but he's the one that God talked to. Adam handed it over to the enemy, to the devil. Jesus came back, paid the price, and destroyed the works of the devil. So we have all power and authority over the enemy. When we're born again, we have that power. Jesus said it. I didn't say it. He said it. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's how you have to see yourself. And the enemy will try to get you to see yourself as a loser and, and whatever, but you're not. If you're born again, you're not a loser. You're of God, little children, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In this, the children of God are manifested, and the children are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. Notice that one was thrown in there. And he that loveth not his brother. And he goes on to talk about Cain and Abel. Then he goes on in, in verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. All the things the pastor had prayer for tonight. Marvel not that the world hates you. If the world hate you, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He hath he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. This is heavy. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know no murdereth hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive with the love of God, because he laid down his own life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Glory to God. I'm going to stop with this. If there's one thing that, that Brother Hagen really taught on outside of faith, it was love. And that's why his ministry was so successful. Because he loved the brethren and taught on love continually. I'm going to go ahead and read this letter that Pastor asked me to read in the beginning.